When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, ladies and gents. This week we're joined by someone who may sound like he's from the South Continent, but really he's English through and through. We spoke to him a few months ago, but since then he's been called up to England and is now playing the SA20. It's the one and only John Turner. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. John, thanks for coming back on. It's been just over a year since we last spoke to you. Um, but how have things? You've obviously had a pretty whirlwind 12, 12 months or eight months or so. Yeah, thanks so much for having me back on. Um, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting interesting six, seven months, I suppose. Um, it's been really enjoyable. Uh, obviously made my county debut for the, in the T20 Blast and kind of been a ridiculous ride since then, to be honest. So, you know, it's been enjoyable and a lot of um, cool experiences and lessons learned as well. I mean, in your wildest dreams, would just achieving one of the things you've achieved in the last eight months be perfect? Or were you sort of, did you have an idea that that was targets to try and get up to? Um, I suppose you always dream of playing international cricket and all of that. Um, I don't think, as you say, my wildest dreams ever saw that um, the selection into the squad happening as quickly as it did. I think I've said it previously to a few other people um, that last season my goal was to play one or two Champo games and make my last debut. Um, so if I'd just done that, I would have been happy. Um, so yeah, the, the way it went and the ride I'm on at the moment is ridiculous, to be honest, and really enjoyable. Nice. So, John, we'll cool. start at the present, and um, you're obviously out in South Africa at the moment in Cape Town playing with Power Royals. How's everything going with the SA20? Yeah, so as a competition, um, it's an unbelievable competition to be a part of, really enjoying it. But on a personal note, it's slightly frustrating as I haven't got a game yet. But I guess that's all part of franchise cricket and the landscape of it. Um, but no, it's a really enjoyable experience um, and to be around the players I'm around um, and be able to learn from them and interact with them is really good for my cricket and my growth. So I think on that front, it's a great opportunity. Um, yeah, and as I say, as a competition, it's been unbelievable to see the crowds um, flock to the grounds and full stadiums. Um, the quality of cricket's been ridiculous. So. I think all in all, it's been a good few weeks and hopefully a good week and a half to go still. Obviously, when the Power Worlds completed their draft and you got signed to them, you would have been aware of the calibre of the players. Not only is their batting up extreme, but their bowling line incredible. Was it something in the back of your mind that you knew you might not be first in the pecking order and that you might be 
carrying the drinks for quite a lot of the tournament? Or is it something that you expect to get a bit of game time and have been left a little bit disappointed by? Um, yeah, I was obviously aware of the overseas players which um, were in the squad already. And obviously with uh, trying to get ahead of Jason Roy, Joss Butler, Urban McCoy and Fabian Allen is an uphill task in itself. So I knew the chance of getting regular game time would be tough. Um, but I was hopeful that I would get a game here or there. So, yeah, it's, I think on that front, it's frustrating. Like, you're always, you're always wanting to play and not seeing an opportunity to play, I find quite tough, particularly after the last two months of being on the road as well. Um, but that being said, the success we've had as a team um, almost means we're not going to change our team. So it's kind of like we're winning don't change it, which I understand. And at the end of the day, it's a team sport. So um, if we're winning, I'm happy. Hmm. There's obviously no hiding or roots with the accent and everything. Is it nice to be back in South Africa playing cricket, even though you are there as an international player? Um, yeah, to be honest, it's really nice to be back. Um, I've never played competitive cricket in South Africa, really, outside of school stuff. And traveling to all the grounds, I've only been to one, previously the Wanderers. So it's quite cool to see Newlands, um, see Kingsmead and Durban, um, particularly our ground, Paul, Holland Park. It's ground I've never been to and I don't think I ever would have gone to. But I don't know if you've watched any of the games, but on TV, it's an unbelievable setting and the crowd is also, they're buying really well. So to do that um, is really cool. And then obviously to be with my mates again from when I was growing up is quite nice. So all in all, it's nice to be back in South Africa. Although, but weird as an overseas player. No, I bet. Um, was there anything particular in the decision for you to choose Repton England? Was it that you just felt the opportunity was there and then that you should take it? Or was it long term you always wanted to represent England as a player? As a player? Um, I think it became when I was leaving school. So probably 16, 17, 18. That's when it really became on my radar. Um, obviously, Never really played provincial stuff in South Africa, so I wasn't really making it anyway. And going to over to the UK to study was always um, an option for me and then to work after that. And I knew if I wanted to pursue cricket professionally, the UK would be where I'd have the best chance of succeeding if I was to succeed. So I think that's when it really came on my radar. Um, and it's... It's a great setup in the UK. I've been welcomed um, by Hampshire and now England have really made me feel welcome as well. And yeah, the services, facilities, everything is um, out of this world. So it's almost, it became a no-brainer really. It's no secret that a lot of England's current players aren't necessarily, how do you put it, English through and through. Do you think it is a credit to the ECB and the setup and how well the players are sort of welcomed in and looked after to or why that so many people choose that option uh yeah definitely i think it's um firstly it shows the success which english cricket is having um and people are trying to apply their tr uh, trade there and all of that but i think they obviously very welcoming of everyone and at the end of the day it's whoever's eligible to play and um can add the most value to the team should be on the park and I think they're aware of that so yeah it works if if any country was offered for instance Jofra Archer I think they would um, snap him up straight away so 
why why wouldn't um, England want to do that? With that injury record, would they though? <laughs> I think it's it's worth it when he's on the park, um, if he's on the park anytime soon. But yeah, hopefully he'll be fit for the World Cup. Fingers crossed. Is that something you've got in your long-term goal now? You've sort of put your name in and around some being on or selecting two squads already. That there is the outside chance that you you can get over to the US and the West Indies for the World Cup. Yeah, definitely. I would be lying if I said no. Um, I don't think there's necessarily a huge chance of me being involved in that squad. But then again, with injuries and stuff, you never know. Um, but I'm, that was one of the reasons for me choosing the SA20 um, as opposed to the Lions trip to um, India, just to try and play some white ball cricket, um, gain experience and try to put my name in the hat for that World Cup squad. Completely. So let's talk about, so obviously you were called up originally for the home series in September, but you were then ruled out through injury, but then you got the call up again to go to the West Indies. Just talk to me a little bit about that process, how you found out and what it sort of meant to you from there. Yeah, so that was a wild few days, to be honest. Um, obviously, that was during the 100. Uh, I was with the Trent Rockets for that. Uh, again, same as now, I wasn't playing. Um and then suddenly we weren't doing that well, so I knew there was always a chance of me potentially getting a game here or there. Um, played the game against Welsh Fire um, in Cardiff, but I picked up a side stranger in the warm-up of that. I didn't tell anyone about it, so because I really wanted to play. So I played the game, um, and then that went relatively well. Got back to Nottingham, uh, went to have a scan that afternoon on my side. And while I was waiting in the hospital, I got a phone call from Luke Wright um, just to say that I was being selected. And that's almost when, like, that was a phone call of, like, you dream of that. But mm. then being in hospital, waiting to have a scan um, at the same time is, brings you down to earth very quickly. Um, yeah, so obviously waited for the outcome of the scan and that wasn't great had a grade two strain but i was I, re I thought i could play so saw the england physio told them i was fine um did all the testing i needed to do and surprisingly came out okay with the um injury i had but they still wouldn't let me play with it um so yeah it was one day the best thing in the world and the next day the worst thing in the world really um, so yeah, uh, a lot of emotions in two days there. Do you think that's a little bit, as in, I'm sure most younger players in your position did the exact same thing, but looking back, do you think that was potentially a little bit greedy is the wrong word, naive is the wrong word, but like you probably should have looked after your body a bit better, even though, and hoped that the opportunity would come around again? Um, what, in terms of... In terms of playing, playing Rockets? Yeah. yeah, that game from Rockets, as soon as you knew. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think it was a side strain, to be honest. Um, okay, sorry. That's but... I knew I knew there was it was something, but I thought it was just a bit of a niggle because um, everything I'd heard about a side strain from guys were you literally like you feel it straight away and you can barely walk, you can barely move, and you definitely can't bowl. So I was like, oh, maybe it's just because I've had like the odd niggle here and there on my side. Um, so yeah, then if if I knew it was a side strain, I probably wouldn't have played. Um, but yeah, I suppose you could say maybe I shouldn't have, but. Yeah, it's one of those things you can look back on and and change. Um, I don't think I would change it, to be honest. That game was probably really good for me. Just 
obviously a big platform um, voting to someone like Johnny Bairstow, for instance. So it's a good opportunity. And if you do well, that it's, yeah, it does well for you. I guess, did you think about it? Do you think you would have got the call from England if you hadn't played that game? That's you, another thing. Your first 100 wicket was knocking over Johnny Bairstow. So that's got to leave an impression somewhere. Yeah, so that that's the other thing. I, I don't know if I would have got that. I would have, I've assumed I would have still got that, um, but you never know. So, it yeah, I can look back on it now and a lot of ifs and maybes and buts. But yeah, I think that at that time I wouldn't change what I've done. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you got thrown the ball for the either penultimate or final set in that game with yeah. with the Welsh fire only needing a, a few, and you you closed it out for the Trent Rockets for what was probably a rare win that season. Um, but yeah. what, what goes through your head in those scenarios, and especially on your debut? Nerves entering the fray at all? Are you nice and cool? Um, yeah, I'd lie if I didn't have nerves. Quite weird, actually. I was watching that game back uh, yesterday, um, and particularly that final set. So I was, it was weird because I've, for Hampshire, I was never really given the responsibility to bowl the last, let's say, three overs. Um, so we had Chris Wood and Nathan Ellis. So to be able to given that responsibility on debut was quite rare for me. Um, but it's something I really, like during the game, so I think I bowled the equivalent of a eight, either 17th or 18th over. Um, and that went relatively well. And from there, I was like, I really want to bowl that last over. And I was, I, I didn't go up to the, cap, uh, the captain and say, I want to bowl it. But I was like, they're basically handing them my, my cap. Um, so I was nervous at the top of my mark, um, but I think having someone like Joe Root, Lewis Gregory, um, and the senior guys around me just saying, commit to the ball and believe in yourself, uh, helped a lot. And it's, it's one of those, it's those things in cricket you want to do. You want to be the guy that sees out the final over, the guy that gets the win for the team, um, handed the ball in the pressure moments. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. So hopefully I get a bit more of that. It's crazy to think, so obviously you are a bowler. Has your batting improved much having been surrounded by players such as, I mean, Josh Butler and Jason Moore out in there, but you talk about Joe Root, Trent Rockets, and then the other boys in the England setup as well. Any tips that you picked up? Are you feeling a bit more confident? Because going from hanging out with the likes of them from the boys down in Exeter and the coach at Exeter, is, it's a little bit of a difference. Yeah, they, I wouldn't say necessarily my batting's improved. I, I definitely don't work hard enough on it and it's something that actually annoys me because I love batting mm. um, but I think the way I now think about it and go about it is very different to how I would have let's say six months ago um, and just my, I know what my role would be in for instance a T20 game I'm there probably in the last over um, either needing runs to win or try and set a target so it's either I'm trying to get off strike or I'm trying to um, get the ball over the boundary. So I think the way I approach it now is probably very different. And obviously, having the confidence by being around those guys um, definitely helps. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say my technique's improved, but my mental approach has definitely improved. Have you sort of identified an area ground or a shot that you now use that thinking if you need a single, this is what I'm going to do? Sort of a bit of premeditation or if, I need, if I'm going to clear the boundary, this is where I'm going to go for? Or do you play try and play a ball on its uh, merit? You, you obviously want to try to play every ball on its merit as much as you can. But being a tail ender, I know where my strengths are. So 
outlook straight as much as I can. Um, and then I've tried to add the scoop into my game as well, just to make life a bit, <laughs> bit difficult for um, the bowling captain. Um, so it's just things like that. Like if I can manipulate the field um, by playing one scoop shot, suddenly it gives me an option to go p potentially over the bowler's head or past him. Um, so I've, I've got my, I know where I'm weak and I know I need to work on, but I have got one or two options. So you heard it, you're going to scoop the final ball of the final over of the World Cup to win the World Cup for England then? Do you, do you know how many times that type of scenario has gone through my head? That's <laughs> uh, what you're thinking one, about one this, is, this, is, this is against yeah, Australia in the World Cup final. Exactly. One, one ball to win it, you need four to win and go play the scoop shot. You either look like a hero or you're going to be eaten alive. You'll be remembered either way. Yeah, that is true. Let's talk about, so then obviously you went on towards the West Indies with for both the ODIs and the T20s. How was that as an experience, first international tour? Um, yeah, so that was, again, a really cool experience. Um, quite... So I had the Lions trip to Abu Dhabi before that, leading into it, which I think made it a bit of an easier transition. Um, I think being thrown straight into the England camp without any, like knowing anyone or anything like that would have been quite hard. So having that Lions camp helped. But the, yeah, the trip to the West Indies as an experience, um, an opportunity to be around those players, learn, all of that was really good. Um, again, slightly frustrating not to get any game time, um, but I had, had an idea, I had a feeling that could be the case. Um, so yeah, it's. I think coming out of it, I've improved a lot as a bowler, knowing what I need to work on, um, what my strengths are, and also what the team needs. So I, I now know what I'm trying to aim towards to add value to that team and actually get into the team. Was there any of sort of like being a bit starstruck or couldn't really believe where you were? Or did you feel like they were very well? I don't know, you said they were very welcoming, but it, I can say uh, I yeah. got into a room full of people I've been watching play cricket for a number of years. It would be pretty, pretty daunting. No, uh, 100%. I, I remember our first night that we were in um, Antigua, we all went for a drink down to the restaurant and sat around there. I was like, how on earth have I ended up having a beer with all of these guys? Um, like it, having Ollie Pope, um, obviously Joss Butler, um, all the uh, Sam Curran, guys you've almost idolised in the England setup, and now you share in the field, you share in the changing, having a beer with them. Um, it, I definitely was starstruck for a bit, and but I think very very quickly I came to realise I was there to add value, and I was part of the group um which again was quite cool you said you obviously you were there to add value was that you obviously didn't manage to get on the, into the final 11 for any games on that tour was that something you thought you you sort of expected again or did you were you pretty let down by that point that you didn't manage to finally get over the on get that first cap um i thought i'd get a game to be honest mm. um i thought i'd i thought i'd i wasn't expecting to initially be in the t20 squad so that was a bit of a surprise to me. Um, and then but I thought I'd get a game in the ODIs because obviously after the World Cup, um, sort of a new cycle towards the next World Cup, I thought I could get an opportunity there. So I was a bit disappointed not to. Um, but that being said, I think 
I'm a lot better off for the experience. And then when hopefully if I do get that opportunity to finally play a game, um, it's not going to be obviously a starstruck moment. I'm not going to be like a deer in um, the headlights type of thing. So I think obviously a lot of disappointment from that, but looking forward, I think it's probably a good thing for me. Yeah, great experience. And obviously, Joss was on that tour and now you're with him at Parole. Is that a friendship blooming? Has he been pretty good to you putting as your captain and now as a teammate? Yeah, no, it's it's nice to spend some time with him. Um, it's also quite nice to spend some time with him outside of the England camp. Obviously, here he's a senior player and just a player type of thing, whereas in the England camp he's the captain and kind of look you're looking up to him like oh, I can't mess with the captain type of thing. Yeah. Um quite nice to be around him as just a normal player and obviously if I can try and impress him here in the nets or if I get a game that can only help my England chances as well. No, completely. And then so you're back in the UK from a few weeks time once the S20's finished and then what's the plan? Um so yeah back back in a week and a half and I think we then got just over a month until the start of the county season so down back to Exeter for a few weeks to try and catch up on my three months of work which I've missed um, <laughs> which should be interesting but then yeah obviously the start of the season where I'm hoping to play a lot more red ball cricket um, that's a big focus for me this coming season to try and push that see if I can break into the test squad um, not necessarily play a game but at least put my name on the radar there's a lot of test cricket coming up, so yeah, that's something on my radar. Um, but yeah, it's an exciting season ahead, and hopefully, it can live up to what the last few months have been. Completely hypothetically, if an IPL team was to ring you up looking for a late addition to a squad, would you say yes, or would it be no? You want to now focus on some Red Bull cricket? Um, it would be no at this stage. So I chose not to put my name in the auction. Um, but that's solely due to one being away from uni for an extra eight weeks. Um, and then if I was to go to the IPL, like if I was picked up in the auction, let's say, I wouldn't play. I'd just be there as in case someone got injured. And I think eight weeks in India um, in that environment, you obviously learn a lot, but it's tough and you're not playing any cricket. Um, you're away from home, all of that. So I think at this stage of my career, I just need to be playing cricket, um, whether that's white ball or red ball. So that was the main drive, um, reason not to put my name in the hat for that. No, completely fair enough. And so looking forward, are you trying to keep yourself available on all three formats or are you particularly focusing on white or going back to red ball? Um, yeah, I want to play all, all formats. Um, the dream is to play and represent England for all three formats for as long as I possibly can. Um, so gonna obviously at times you've got to prioritize one or two of the, other, of the formats over a different one. Um, but at the moment, whenever I'm given an opportunity, I'll take it whether it's red or white ball. Um, I see myself probably at the moment more equipped for white ball cricket, just out of the cricket I've played and where I've had success. But yeah, I think at at the moment, particularly with this year, actually, there's 17 test matches. Um, so you never know what could happen. And if I can get a successful start to the county season, then hopefully, as I say, put my name in the hat for that. Completely. I reckon if I'd asked you a year ago, 
would you be prioritizing Red Bull or White Bull? It would have been a different answer. So it's interesting how, I mean, it's, as a young player, I guess you do have to be moldable and be able to fit in where you're needed. Um, but it's interesting to see that's, that's your take on it now. Yeah. Was, I think, no, sorry, Karen. I was, no, I was going to say, I think literally in the last eight months, my, my approach to that has changed completely. I was a Red Bull player that wanted to have a bit of White Bull success and I've almost gone um, the complete opposite way now. So it's, it's, I suppose it's just what opportunities are thrown thrown upon you. I guess the traditionalists would say that Test match and Red Bull cricket is slowly dying. I mean, it's obviously been helped for the last few weeks with everything that's happened. But what's your take on it? Because there is so much white ball cricket being played and the amount of Red Bull seems to be getting less and less. Obviously, England are playing 17 test matches this year and that's probably a big push from the ECB and the ICC to try and keep it relevant. But do you think that it is slowly going to peter out or do you think it's here to stay? Um, I think they've got to find a way of making the two work together. Um, it's evident that the big three, obviously England, Australia, India, um, have the biggest say and get the most test matches. So they, I think the responsibility is really on them to try and somehow get franchise cricket and test cricket to work together. Um, it's obviously not help. It's not helpful at the moment when you look at, for instance, South Africa sending almost a C team to New Zealand. Um, that shows that money talks and the franchises are taking priority over national selection, which is quite sad. Um, I saw, I don't know who it was, but I saw someone in the media suggesting almost like a three month window just for test cricket. And I don't know, I don't think that will work, but that idea is not, I think that's quite a good idea. Almost forcing all the countries to play a similar amount of test cricket and saying, you can't play a franchise league now. You can't put it up to players to choose between their country and some money. Um, but I, I think, think ultimately they need to get money into test cricket. The big issue with that is obviously time zones. Isn't you can't you can't do a three month England summer and then three months down in summer because that's only six months of the calendar year gone. So it'd be the case of would it be rotating or would you be playing say on a six year cycle? You do everything's played in the UK one summer, then you go to the West Indies, then you do India, and work your way along. Yeah. I think there's too many bolts in that system where they might, if they shortened it and said there was, you played six test matches in the Southern Hemisphere and six test matches in the Northern Hemisphere a year, there's more more scope for that. But I still think that's too tricky. Personally. No, I 100% agree with that. But it's almost like there was a stat last year where um, Kawaja faced more balls than the whole of the Proteus team yeah. in test cricket. So. It's, it's evident that the top three are playing a lot more test cricket and I don't know what the solution is, but I think there needs to be a solution because as we've seen in the last week, test cricket is very exciting um, and we need all the countries to be strong for it to be exciting. Have you been watching what Shamar Joe just done with the West Indies and hoping that you could potentially live a similar storyline? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think combination of that and then how um, Tom Hartley went in India. It's, you, you look at stuff like that and that's what dreams are made of, really. Um, I think Shamar Joseph's year has been, like talking about my, my last few months, his year has been ridiculous. From being a security guard, obviously, to winning West Indies, their first test match in Australia in 20-odd years. So you look at that stuff and it's, 
it's amazing to see those stories. And as I said, I think that's where test cricket is really special because that's where you see those stories more so. Um, but yeah, it's, I think if I was to say, I've dreamt a few times of getting a Pfeiffer on debut um, in test cricket, but it's definitely something I'd like. Yeah, I think anyone could say that they dream that, and you're you're probably one of the few in in a realistic position that that's probably not impossible slash too far away. By the time this episode yeah. comes out, I think the second test would have just finished because um, we're looking at the back end of next week. Any predictions? What you think is going to happen after that first test? Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't really know what to expect, to be honest. Um, I think I saw something in the media today from Brendan McCullum saying. There's the possibility if the pitchers turn looking like it's going to turn, they could play an all spin attack. Um, I think with the team that Stokes and um, Baz have, you never really know what to expect from them. Um, one thing which obviously is guaranteed is excitement and um, an interesting style of play at times. But I want to say England are probably going into it um, more confident than, than they were and understanding how to play the spin better after, for instance, seeing how Pope um, went about it. So I think it will be a good challenge and hopefully they can get one up on the Indians again. What do you think the bowling attack Baz will go with? Leach has been, hasn't trained today, so it's a big doubt. Do you think they will stick with Wood or bring Jimmy in? And then you presume that Bashir would come in as the, as the replacement spinner? Um... I don't know what the obviously it's very much pitch dependent. If if we say that it's a similar pitch to what they played on, it look it look from pictures it looks like it's going to turn quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that that's not surprising. Um, I reckon it will be max one seamer then, and then hopefully Bash comes in for Leach if Leach is injured. Um, who the seamer is will be interesting. Um, I reckon it will be either Woody or Gus. Um, I think that pace is something which you need if you've going with a basic spin attack. Um, Do you so not yeah, think Mount Bremer got, got the ball to reverse in that second innings? Warrants selecting Jimmy, just if we're going to be majority Woody only bowled, something like 13 overs in the whole match, and that's more than capable for Jimmy to do. And he's arguably more of a danger with a reversing ball than the pace of Gus or Wood. There is. Um the, the control and the skills which Jimmy has is unbelievable. Um, I think, so there is that argument. I'm more for the argument of high pace, though, obviously. Um, and I think if you can couple that pace with a really effective spin attack, it, it makes it hard for um, the batsmen when they do end up facing that pace. Um, don't think my idea is necessarily the right idea, but uh, I think that's it's probably the more exciting idea, to be honest. Well, the one other, name, watching one other name we haven't mentioned that's is it. someone who'll spin or spin the ball the other way to the others, and Dan Lawrence coming in obviously strengthened the batting lineup, but has proven himself in the Big Bash more than capable of taking wickets, and his actions less than natural, which can often prove a advantage in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, I think it's a completely out there prediction I can't see it happening um, but again you never know um, I think they'll give Bashir a chance before him um, I'd be quite interested to see how Bash goes obviously 
hugely inexperienced in first-class cricket. But that being said, um, watching him in Abu Dhabi with the Lions, he's more than capable of succeeding, and I think more so in Indian conditions. So I'd hope they go with Bash before Lawrence, and hopefully, as you say, if Leach is injured, then it's a perfect opportunity to give Bash his chance. One final question. Be honest. When when Tom Hartley's first ball went for six, did you think that he could follow down the lines of another friend of yours, Mason Crane, and potentially see his England career disintegrate in front of his eyes there and then? Um, not to that degree, no. I did think that it was, would be a very, very tough um, test match for him, and I thought it would be a very long tour for England. Um I didn't think it would end up with England winning the game and I didn't think it would end up with him getting a, a seventh in the final innings. But that being said, and I think it's been well said um, in the media recently, the support that Stokes gave him and the leadership which he um, showed was basically paramount to him and his success. So he's definitely capable of it, obviously, but I think... In the Indian conditions, I didn't think that was going to happen. That's fair enough. Well, John, thanks for coming to chat to us again. Just before we finish, we're going to say three targets next year. I imagine one of them's obviously the World Cup, but two others potentially a white ball getting back to the finals day and getting over the line this year, or what's on your radar? Um, sure, I haven't even actually thought of that, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't say the World Cup's necessarily a goal or target. Um, it's a dream. Yeah, it's a dream. Um, all I can do is make life hard for the selectors. Um, I'd say winning the T20 Blast, that's that's up there. Um, England debut in a format. And probably just improving as a bowler um, in all facets of the game. How I measure that, I don't know yet. But I'd say improving um is, that's probably my main one to be honest if i can finish the season a better bowler than i am now then i'm happy um if i don't reach the other two goals then so be it perfect well cheers john thank you so much for giving up your morning um and we wish you best of luck with everything the rest of the sat 20 and then when you get back in back into the uk in the slightly less glamorous conditions but um we look forward to watching you run out whether it's at the gs bowl or offering this summer um, I'm sure we'll all be following very closely. But thanks, mate. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. Network.